Welcome back, ladies and gents. This is the Emerge Nine Golf Podcast. We're all here. McLean, Jay, I'm Mike. Uh, hope you guys had a good weekend watching Riviera. Maybe you played a little golf if you're in a part of the country with some decent weather. Shout out, McLean. How are you? <laughs> nice, <laughs> it's nice down here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was nice down here. We were at the pool today. I mean, just had a good time. Oh, we went over to our friend's house, got in their pool. Again, there was a preemptive reason I said shut up to you before you even started talking. I had a feeling something <laughs> I like thought that you was... said shout out. No, no, no shout I out. said shut up. Right so <laughs> let's go a little further with this. You know, Wouldn't be that nice. Pops, you know, 80 degrees, beer in hand. It was it was gorgeous here. Well, actually, it was pretty nice here. It was almost 70 degrees and sunny here today. And uh, President's Day, I took my daughters to the park this afternoon. Had a great time. And uh, so, yeah, now it's going to rain for four days. So. That's awesome. But um, what are you boys drinking? I am drinking. Uh, I don't know if I was drinking this the last <laughs> last week or not, but I'm drinking the uh, Dickel, George Dickel 13. It's a, I just bought this bottle. And not, well, good. no, last, last week was your old faithful, which was E.H. Taylor. Like who says that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Casually. Casually. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's too many bottles in that bar. <laughs> uh, ah, the you're on the dickel, huh? Mm-hmm. Tennessee whiskey here. It's pretty good. I mean, obviously the the Tennessee whiskey's got just a slightly different taste, but um, it's good. It's pretty smooth. Thirteen year, anything thirteen years uh, or older, older. usually pretty good. Yeah, nice. McLean's on the Corona Light. Yeah, keeping it easy. And I'm on water. Sorry. I just man, want want. I'm also <laughs> I also have a Coke here. Oh, there you go. Right now, because without it, I would, not have, I would not have actually plugged my computer in. <laughs> I uh, I had family in town. I, we had some family in town, some visitors. Um, Lindy's brother and and uh, sister in law came over, and yeah, we just did a lot of drinking. Uh, just a lot. A lot need, of drinking. Need a little break, you know. And like last night, I was like, "All right, we, we got takeout." I wasn't going to drink last night. They were still in town, and we, <laughs> my brother-in-law and I, we go to pick up. Um, we ordered some to-go Mexican, and we're sitting there and we're waiting for it and waiting for it. And we watch these two guys walk out with to-go margaritas. <laughs> You're like, that looks good. <laughs> we just we both look at each other. We're like, "Yep, can we get four of those to go, please?" <laughs> So, awesome. you know, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to body just just telling me starting to get up there in age. The body just like, dude, take a know, chill pill, take a chill pill. Dude, you got to get some earplugs. Mine yells at me all the time. I ignore the hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just on the water. That's pretty boring. Jay's the only one drinking something cool tonight. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel like I should be drinking water now. <laughs> Feel like the bad guy here. Don't let us squares. I'll keep you down, Jay. Hmm. So, yeah, some golf. We got we got a lot to talk about. I think maybe more off the golf course than on the golf course with the craziness that has ensued in the last week with the Saudi leagues and that tour. But let's let's get on to uh, the actual golf on the golf course. Riviera, just a classic, classic, awesome golf course. Always fun to watch. Phenomenal field. Joaquin Neiman wins wire to wire. Starts off 
63-63, one of the hardest golf courses on tour. Get you some of that. Yeah. And it was kind of a little boring. Again, I, I we had family in town, so I didn't I didn't have my nose into the TV screen the whole time, but I kept an eye on it and uh Cam Young up there for a while. He had more cow make a charge yesterday, which was it was gonna be hard to, to beat Joaquin, especially after he chips in on eleven, makes Eagle. I guess a 21 under. He would have had to do something really bad. And he tried to, you know, make a couple bogeys late, a couple questionable putts that I saw. Um, but yeah, what were your takes from from Joaquin uh from his win? We'll get we can get to some of the other guys in a minute. Um I, I watched quite a bit on Sunday, um, which I don't just the way it worked out, um, because he was running away with it it was kind of boring uh but towards the back on 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 sunday it did get a little tighter within two shots it made it somewhat interesting but um i mean he's he just he's a great ball striker (laughs) um he's just good i mean it's it's kind of a unique little move but um it is kind of fun to watch to see somebody with a little little bit of character in their golf swing and you know not everybody looks like tiger woods or adam scott or Cause that's the way everybody's looking these days, but um, he has tightened it up though. Yeah. It's not quite as, quite as wild. It's not really wild. It's just, you know, it's just different. He really gets, he really leans that shaft through impact and hits it super low. He did hit one, one or two really like, like squirrely big blocks out to the right. And because they have the shot tracer on them and you're like, Oh, that's what your swing looks like. It's going to do like the, That's what the ball flight looks like. It's going to do when you, when you swing through it. But for some reason, he obviously finds a way to hit it straight. But he had a couple of these balls that just shot out of the right cannon and just kept going right. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, that's your miss. But he didn't miss too many this week. But no, he's he's starting to hit the ball higher than he used to. Yeah. Part of I think part of his swing changes were I don't know that for a fact. I'm just assuming he probably wanted to try to get the ball up in the air a little bit more, which you need to do on the PJ tour, especially hitting into greens. Um so you can tell his leg action is really different, which kind of was causing the the shuffling before. He kind of had those soft, soft left legs, soft knees coming yeah. into impact. Where now he's got a little bit more of a, uh, uh, not quite posting up on the left leg like you see a lot of guys do, but it's a lot straighter than he used to. Mm-hmm. His right hip's a lot higher at, at impact than mm-hmm. it used to, which is going to get that ball airborne a little bit more. Which I'm, I just think he he had to look at it at some point. Like I got to get this thing up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so, you know, Sergio uh, did kind of did the same thing and with, he had a unique swing, but great ball striker. And, but he was kind of that way. I think he was predominantly a pretty low ball hitter early on because he had just so much lag and he, he made some slight changes as well. And, and obviously, you know, we all, he's been around for 25 years. So we're going to get to Sergio in a second. I got to bring him up real fast, but let's, let's talk about the golf first before I bring up Sergio. Yeah, I mean, I think Joaquin is a hell of a player. He's starting to really put himself in contention more often. And we're starting to see, especially this week, that, you know, he kind of has that gall to stay up there. Um, He tried to falter a little bit on Saturday after getting all the way to 21 and then backing up a little bit. But at the same time, he was able to fend off everyone else. What he did the first two days with those back-to-back 63s on, like we all agree on, one of the tougher um, tracks on the tour. That's Uh, ridiculous. Something to be incredibly (laughs) impressed of. You know, as far as just his game in general, the guy, as you said, leans that club into the ball. I mean, you talk about hitting piss missiles. Yeah. Um, I would love to see what his peak height is on his driver because I guarantee it's one of the lowest on the PJ Tour. But he also cranks out 180 ball speed 
weighing like a buck 37 soaking wet. So it's incredibly efficient what he does and quite frankly, pretty impressive. Hey, McLean, I think on the last hole, they did show his peak height. I think it was 69 feet. Does that sound right? Like for a low ball flight? Yes, that's still a a low ball flight without question. That was on 18. He hit like a, just a perfect, like teeny little low cut. And I think I'm almost positive. I think I saw 69 feet, which I remember seeing that. I was like, that's, that seems pretty low. I was like, I can't, yeah. I can't hit a driver 69 feet off the ground. If I tried, well, I mean, just a good idea. <laughs> Bryson's peaking up at like 160. If you even, and I actually saw what's his name was at 160. He hit one, uh, um, young Cameron young. young. Yeah. He hit one out there that you talk about a, a lot of ball speed as well. He was up 185. Um, I kind of liked his move. I like it. He had that little pause, not, yeah. not necessarily Hideki ish, but there's Close. definitely some similarities, definitely some similarities. He gets, but, his, um, he gets his ball speed up in the one eighties. Joaquin Neiman does. Yeah. 180, 181. I think is about where he tops out at, but just in, when you look at the, the peak height between them, and there's almost a hundred feet different between what yeah. him and Cameron Young's peak height on the driver is. That's crazy. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I, I want right? to say Rory's Rory's like, Around 125, 130 ish, I think. Peak height. Yeah, that's probably about right. I think at tour average is right around 120, a little over 100, in between 100 and 120. I, it's been a while since I've looked at those numbers, but I know so 69 would be would be accurate for being for for his yes. his ball flight, and it, it came off low. It was like a like you said, it was a damn piss missile. It was. Oh yeah. Then <laughs> you should see him hit the stinger with the long iron, but it's it yeah. is uh it's it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, looking at his his stats here, it's God. How many do we? How many guys do we talk about this? Strokes gained off the tee, fifty fifth. Approach to the green, twentieth. Tee to green, eighth. Putting, he's hundred and fifteenth. It's just, I mean, week after week, he's actually seventh around the greens too. So his chipping's pretty damn good. I wonder so what that putting statistic was for last week at the tournament, though. I don't, do we have that nearby? I don't. We actually would have to get actual media credentials by the PGA, and we can get all kinds of data and stats. But well, oh, for what he did at that for the last week, yeah, that's that's. While we yeah. consider ourselves members of the media, <laughs> PGA Tour does not yet. You know they what's will. cool about? They will. Well, and I guess it's really more of a correlation, but you know what's similar between being a member of the media and being a golfer? You can literally just declare yourself one. <laughs> And done, done, done. Um, I could turn pro right now if I wanted to. <laughs> and it's nice. It's nice having that option. Quite frankly, you know, I haven't chose. I haven't chosen or choosing. Chosen. I haven't. De- I haven't decided. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we need whether to, or not I'm going to exercise that option. We need to validify this. Yeah, we need to validify that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just again, another guy hits the ball great. Can't putt. And one of the best in the world. Who was the last time we had a, a guy who was an average ball striker, but a great putter and one? Man, I mean, what was the, I? I can't remember. I mean, every time, every week, the guys who win the the guys who win tour events, or the guys who bomb it off the tee, and or are good iron players, and maybe Hoagie. A couple yeah, weeks ago. I'm, yeah, you could say that. I mean, I don't really know. I don't remember exactly what his stats are, but 
he just doesn't come off as a guy that is just pure ball striker, bombs it, hits it a mile. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good, good point. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll pull, I'll pull his stats up to see. Um, nah, I mean his strokes gain approach to the green. He's number three. <laughs> All right, so I take that back. But he is um, his strokes gain tee to green is 16th. His strokes gain total is 20th. But his putting is 107. So he falls right in that same category. Yeah, but you know the thing with strokes gain putting, I think the more greens you hit, the more putts you're missing, but you're not making you're not making bogeys. I know that they say that the way this the the statistic works is that they can eliminate that, but I still think there's there's a difference, you know, when you're on when you're hitting 14 15 greens around, you got a bunch of 20 footers, you guys are going to make 20 footers, but if you're if you're hitting that many greens and you're playing good golf, you're really just trying to get the speed right and see if something drops in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You keep moving on. Well, I think part of it too is it's early in the season still, so guys haven't had a ton of rounds. And yeah. you look at Tom Hoagie, who won the event. He obviously did everything pretty well. If you're going to win a golf event, so how does that play out over the course of a you know 25, yeah, 30, gonna, 30 events? Stats are going to be good. So just kind of, I'm looking at this list here of winners. So far, this wraparound season, starting with uh, the 40 net back in September, Max Homa, good ball striker, Sam Burns, Sungjae Im, Roy McIlroy, Hideki Matsuyama, Lucas Herbert, Victor Hovland, Jason Kokrak, Taylor Gooch, uh, Cam Smith, Hideki Matsuyama, Hudson Swafford, Luke List, Tom Hoagie, Scotty Scheffler, Joaquin Neiman are your winners so far. Did I list off any guys that are great putters but not good ball strikers? I mean, Cam Smith is a fantastic putter, but he's... I guess his irons aren't great, right? Did we look at that? But, I mean, what is he statistically? He's... He's still pretty good. I'm sure he's still pretty good. Again, especially this season where he's he's won and played yeah. well. So I'm I mean, sure that's gonna yeah. strokes gain total. He's fifth. <laughs> yeah, and, and strokes gain T to green. He's twentieth uh, around the green. Twenty second approach. Eighteenth, but you know, then he's strokes gain uh, putting. He's still fourteenth. So I mean, he's pretty good at all of them. Which is you know that helps too. Rankings ninth, and he's whatever in the world right now definitely top is he top 25 yeah i think so um so yeah i mean you're right it's it's just ball strikers want to be ball strikers people fact or or if a podcast comes out with a ball striker hat you want to buy it yeah just saying definitely want to do that that sounds like a great idea someone ever does that you're gonna want to buy it it's gonna be awesome it's going to be a real classic hat, like scripts lettering. Yeah. Super classic. I mean, hypothetically speaking, it could look like that. It could look fantastic. Mm. Soon. Soon. Very soon. 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 But soon. this is all speculation. All, it's a total all, speculation. All speculation. As members of the media, we want to be careful with our speculation. <laughs> I kind of so, want- I, I kind of want one, too. I think it'll look great. What uh, what else do you make from the weekend? Any other players? Like I was a little surprised that, of course, I finally pick him. Can't lay. I can't finish outside the top ten, and he sucks this week. 
you know, Rom didn't play well. He had a pretty far back, you know, finish for him. But then you had, you know, JT was up there and doing some things. Like we said, Morikawa made a run and had two unbelievable pitch shots on Sunday. That just cast yeah. those. Yeah. I think this course is, you know, really unique. And I think that's why it's fun to kind of fun to watch because it's, it's not your prototypical tour course, you know, big, long, fairly open off the tee. You see the same guys play well every week. You change it up. This got some characters, got some dog legs, got some teeny little firm greens. So here we've got some different guys kind of in the mix. And the next week at, at the Honda, you'll see the same thing. I know we're going to talk about that later, but um, you don't see the same guys play well there every week because the damn course is super hard. And while Riviera didn't play super hard this week, it's still it's still a tough golf course. I mean, if you don't hit it, if you're just, not hitting it well, it's hard. If you're not hitting it well, you're gonna. I mean, you see a guy like Brooks Kepka and shots, shoots three over par. I mean, this is a guy who's a you know was just competing to try, try to win the week prior and then shoots three over. Um, it doesn't take much to be off, and, and it really shows. You're, you're exactly right. I think if if you're if you're on point and you're you know driving the ball well and you're a great iron player, then you're gonna play well. Uh, out there but and i think that's what makes a fantastic golf course right if you hit really good shots you get rewarded and you can make some birdies but if you're not on your game it's going to penalize you and i think that's just a mm-hmm. a great venue mm-hmm. well you know driving is such a premium there you've really got to put your ball in play and i mean you guys are exactly right if you're not in a position to approach those greens from the right angles you're going to have a tough week mm-hmm. yeah so speaking of that, what do you guys think of the tenth hole? Is I it a good? Is it a good cool. hole? So it's probably one of the more famous drivable holes on the PJ Tour. One, obviously, they play it every year. You know, uh, the old quote: Nicholas says it's his favorite short par four in golf. And it seems like now it's. It used to be a debate: lay up or go for it. Lay up or go for it. Now it seems like the play is. You don't really, they don't really go for the green, but they're trying to hit it essentially almost flag high, just barely, just short of flag high left there to try to pitch back up that green. Mm-hmm. Although JT almost, did he lay up all four days? I heard someone say. I think he laid up all four days on 10. Did he really? Um, yeah, that's a tough little wedge shot, though. If, if you get that back pin back there, I mean, that's, and even the front pin is obviously really hard, but it's just little. It's just a teeny it's little a narrow green. Tiny little green with some firmness and some fire in the greens. And it is just a bear. But it, I guess it is fun where guys can make a two or, you know, uh, or six or easy. a six easy. I saw uh, Dustin. He made a mess of it. I think it was day one. I can't remember if it was day one or day two. He made an absolute mess of it. He had one putt six. Um, Yikes. To, uh, to get out of there. And I think in the same groups, uh, I forget who he was playing with Homa. Max Homa made a bomb. That's what it was for an Eagle. So he walks away with a two DJ is walking away with a six. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. Maybe the, maybe the green needs to be softened a hair. So it brings in maybe some more options. Yeah. Of what, of what to do and how to play it versus pretty much most of the fields playing it the same way. I don't know though. I I think a short par three needs to or short par four needs to have a very difficult green. I think it would it as long as it's fair and it rewards two good shots, I'm good with it. I, I will say all the greens were firm last week. I mean, I, I saw a bunch of mm-hmm. iron and wedge shots that you thought were going to check, and they it didn't even look like they tried. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm no, looking. I'm yeah, JT JT laid up all four days. He played the whole one under, one birdie, three pars. So I don't know. The hole is the hard. It's the eighth ranked hole on the golf course, in terms of difficulty, and it's 300 yards. That's cool. I think that's fun. Yeah. You know, if it were number one, then I, I think there might be more con- more concern about. Hey, we really need to soften this. But the fact that it's finishing middle of the pack. I think probably speaks to it's just quality overall as a golf hole. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, if you're right, if it was one or two at 300 yards, then mm, it's too hard. It might, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is fun. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those holes. When I was watching the other day, I forget who it was. I'm like, they were on nine, and I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta hang here. I want to see them play ten. You know what I mean? Like it's you you don't want to. I know. I almost wish it was a little bit later in the round. And when yeah, it came fun. at hole 14 or 15 or something, yeah, that where there's a little more juice on the line. Um, I also think it would get more more eyeballs on it too mm-hmm. versus earlier in the round. And so, yeah, it is. It, I like it personally as a fun hole. I know just looking at social media, some people think it's bad or not great or could be better. And but yeah, if it's challenging the world best players that much from 300 yards in the world yeah. of of bomb and gouge, then yeah, let's uh. Let's have more of those holes. I agree. Well, and I think that's where, you know, I think historically most courses only really feature one drivable par four. And maybe it doesn't have to be drivable, but that doesn't mean that it has to be long to be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. We go back to looking at, you know, going not trying to go down the rabbit hole of the distance debate. Once again, we have beat that horse to death on this damn podcast. We're pretty good at that. Real good at that. And it's still early. We never know. We could get there. If there's time, folks, hang on. We're going to talk about Saudi Arabia coming up here soon. So be careful. Don't promise anything. Can you imagine fitting in Saudi Arabia and the distance debate into one podcast? Like, I don't have enough um, battery for that. I mean, my electricity (laughs) bill is going to go up here at the house noticeably. Um, (laughs) Fuck, I forgot where I was. You did bring up the distance debate somehow relative to these short holes. Or- oh, so I think it goes back to, to prove that distance doesn't always equal difficulty. And you can create great golf holes that aren't something that, you know, it's not a 500-yard par four. It's not yeah. a 600-yard par five. There are great golf holes that can still be made that start with a three, and the par is not the number. Mm-hmm. So... And again, I think to, to not get into a huge debate on distance or even while well, I'm going more on the architecture side, I, I just think there's there's very few Rivieras on the PGA Tour, right? I think a lot of the, the ballparks, I want to use that phrase, that they play in aren't conducive to that kind of golf like Riviera is, where the easiest way for these guys to make it harder is the tour goes in and adds 400 yards to the course and they just make everything longer right because the architecture of the, of the holes of the golf course aren't that great in all honesty i think that's where the problem lays you're not going to get i mean how they what 40 events a year you're not going to get 40 classic perfect architectural that's golf impossible. courses yeah, you're not going to do impossible. it but rib definitely is up there as far as you know an architectural um, i won't say masterpiece but definitely a classic um, golf course that is, you know, world renowned, hosted so many great uh, courses. Yeah. You know, it's a great layout. It's definitely one of the better and more historic tracks that we see on tour throughout the year. 
Yes, I agree. It's um, always worth tuning in. I'm trying to look up. When was this club founded? 1926. You know, I mean, how many, how many clubs are they playing on, on the PJ tour that are that old, right? That are by the, especially out, out West. Yes. Well, that, yeah. That's one of the things I think is so cool about it. Yeah. So it is good. And I do, I do like that tenfold. It's um, I'd love to go out there and play it. I remember I set up a member out there one time years ago. Yeah. Private club. It was like a $500 greens fee. Plus he had to pay $200 to play with one of the pros to be accompanied by one of the club pros out there. Then take a caddy. It's a thousand dollar round. (laughs) Pretty much a thousand dollar round of golf because you can buy some food and drinks and you're going to spend some before you even get to the pro shop. Then you get to the golf shop. (laughs) And I can promise you if you're you're spending 500 on a greens fee, 200, this 300, this you're not spending 100 at the pro shop. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and this guy, he spends a bunch. So I'm sure he's probably still got rib shirts with the bag on them. It's uh, I was like, Whoa, I was like, all right, let me go back to my guy and see if he wants to do this. (laughs) He didn't bat an eye. Didn't Didn't bat an eye. Like, okay, well, that's why I'm on this side of the counter and you're on that side of the counter. Cause we got different bank accounts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's get into this Saudi stuff. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fresh beer. I'm going to try to make a promise here to, we're not going to get in an argument because I think Jay and I hit on something via text the other day. We're going to have a nice discussion on this. And that's nobody wants to listen to that. They want to listen. To I that. know everyone's going to just like that. We're now down to nine listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Half <laughs> the people just clicked off. We're going to try to do this. We're trying to not beat a dead horse. I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to curse. <laughs> Challenge. Challenge. So it is actually mind blowing. The amount of news that came out since our last podcast on the Saudi tour. So let's go back to even, I think the night that we recorded last week, Kramer Hickok comes out on another podcast saying that he heard it, 17 guys are in and a couple big names. And then all the players start getting the questions in their pre-tournament press conferences, all the big names. And one by one, a lot of them were just saying, I'm nope, not doing it. I'm done. You know, I don't want to talk about it. Not going over there. I'm playing on the PGA Tour. Rom, JT, um, Rory, I thought was fantastic. Speaking on the the whole thing, the, he kind of pushed back on some of Phil's financial points and issues. And he was saying, hey, I'm, I'm in. I've seen the numbers. I've been in the budget meeting. You know, I've seen all this stuff. He's just false. He's wrong. So a number of players come out and said, no, they're not doing it. Then Alan Shipnuck, who I forget who he used to write for, is now Golf with Week. Ma- is it Golf Week he used to be for? I'm almost positive. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Now he's with the Fire Pit Collective that he has uh, joined forces with Matt Janella. He puts out a tweet that says his sources are telling him that 20 guys are signed with a big announcement coming the week of the players. Like, how big of a fuck you would that be? Sorry, I wasn't going <laughs> to curse, damn it. Um, <laughs> you can't help it. <laughs> God damn it. Um, there you go again. <laughs> there I go again. 
we need a bell. Yeah, I know. So what kind of F you would that have been if Norman just shoves it to the PJ tour, like on your prime jewel event of the year, we're going to drop this big announcement with all these guys leaving your tour. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to get like crazy. And then a day or two later, Alan Shipnick himself makes news and puts out these quotes. So he is um, releasing a book in May on a biography of Phil Mickelson. That is an unauthorized biography of Phil Mickelson. Phil has not asked him to write this. He's doing this on his own. And I actually listened to a podcast of Shipnick today talking about this whole thing. He Phil, reads, Phil, hold on. Phil hasn't, Phil hasn't agreed to give any quotes or any information for this book either. So right. at, uh, until November, so Alan said, like, hey, I want to write a story on Phil Mickelson. He's just an unbelievable player in our game, unbelievable character with just a lot of different facets to Phil Mickelson, the person. And he's like, this is a great story I want to tell. So he did over 200 interviews and wrote this book. And he reached out to Mickelson multiple times. And every time Mickelson turned him down, said he didn't want to be involved. Don't interview me. You know, you know, I don't want to be. Then all of a sudden. In like, I think it was late October, early November, he gets a text from Phil and Phil says, I want to talk for your book. Wow. And so Phil goes on about all kinds of things, but the, actually, no, I, I take that back. He's Alan said on the podcast today, he only wanted to talk about the financial things of the PGA tour and the media rights and the NFTs and the Saudi tour. That's all he wanted to talk about. He wasn't going to answer questions on his first masters and Winning as an amateur, all that kind of stuff. The story of, you know, Phil Mickelson, the things that will be in a Phil Mickelson book. He didn't want to talk about the, the stuff that people want to hear about, like the inside scoop on yes. that stuff. That's what people want to listen to. And so I don't have the exact quote in front of me. But Phil goes to tell him. And this interview was not off the record. It was totally on the record, not on background. And he basically said, admits what we all know about the Saudi government, that he, he quotes as they're scary motherfuckers. Again, I, I cursed again, but those weren't my words. Those were Phil's <laughs> words. As a member Just of the media the here, I want an accurate quote. As a member of the media, I wanted to give you an accurate quote. Really flew off the tongue. He, he called them scary motherfuckers. He admitted to all their human rights issues that they have. And basically said, well, why would I still do this? And he's like, well, I just want to have leverage over the PGA Tour. So he's basically pitting a billion-dollar sports organization up against a murderous regime, willingly knowing what he's doing to stick it to the PGA Tour. He even admits to say, I don't even know if I want the Saudi thing to, the Saudi Tour to even work. But if I have to go over there, I will kind of thing. And that's me paraphrasing. I mean, what is what? What's the backstory? That's what I want to know. I, I mean, I get it. Um, you know, you you don't agree with you know certain things that have that the PJ Tour does and the way they run their tour. That's fine. But get involved. Get on the pack board. Get you know, be a part of it to try to make make some changes. But like, I, I don't understand. And again, I don't know. I have I don't know the what his motivation is here. There's something happened that we don't know about that has made him furious, which that's intriguing in itself. Um, but if you look at the same time, you know, he obviously played on this platform on the PGA tour for 30 years now. 
Um, and he's he's the second most famous, second richest golfer on the planet through playing on the PGA Tour. Now I'm not, I, you know, I'm not trying to back off of my thoughts earlier about why I think you know it's good to have a competing league. Uh, I'd still believe that, and I can give examples later if we want. But I do understand, like, hey, you were there for that long, like whatever was going on, it couldn't have been that bad. You you made you know half a million, or half a billion dollars playing on the PGA Tour, so whatever issues you have, you know, let us, what are they? You know, what, yeah, he's, what are you so upset about? Like, and I haven't heard anything that's valid yet. So I'm just curious why he would, well, would want to do that. Yeah. That's a good point. That's kind of what I was getting ready to say. Well, for, first of all, it's like, dude, you're 51. Like, why are you like tarnishing your legacy and like what people think of you with a stain on your, you're, you're at the, sorry, I know you're at the last leg and you maybe don't want to be on the last leg, but you're 51 years old. You're going to ride off into the sunset soon with your hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, why why pitch this big of a of a fight and put your reputation at stake like this and especially when the facts he's been giving are are very foggy and cloudy and a lot of people have come out and said all the facts he's given are wrong and it really seems to stem from these the potential to sell nfts and the whole media rights thing and he uses i think it was the shutnuck article um he uses the nba as an example cuz the nba has recently started to sell nfts I'm not going into NFTs because I really don't know what the fuck they are or why someone would buy them. However, <laughs> super strange. Yeah, I guess the he wants to model it a little bit off what the NBA does. But the thing is, so the NBA has sold $600 million worth of NFTs this year. He wants the PJ Tour to have this kind of platform and do it. But the NBA only gives 5% of that back to the players. And it, I think it's, and I, I, I could be wrong here. I think it's just a pool that gets like evenly split among the players. So it's not, you know, if it's, if it's a LeBron James NFT, five that percent goes to LeBron James. I think it's split among the whole players. That I could be wrong there. But okay, so Phil, NBA is probably going to sell more dollars worth of NFTs than the PGA Tour will. So you're talking what? If my math's right, thirty million dollars are going back to the players. What? What? I mean. Hell, Phil, you just made more than that with the pip. If you won this pip money, mm. you know. So, like, again, that's kind of foggy. If you're, if that's really what it is, right? And I'm only going off of what I've read in articles, what he has said, and the facts that I know of. I obviously I don't know the financial, yeah, you know, the balance sheet of the PGA Tour. But it's like, man, for for not much money, why are you why are you doing this? Why are you picking this fight? And and, and in this manner, it's one reason. It's one way to have a grievance against the PGA tour. And like we said, I know there's probably a bunch of things the players don't like and the PGA tour could do better at, but yeah. this is how you choose to fight it. And that just kind of goes back to the Phil Mickels thing. Like, like you had an issue with how the Ryder cup captaincy was done and how all that was organized. And you chose to air out Tom Watson, one of the game's greats in a press conference right in front of him, the guys at the table with you. Like, <laughs> that was, that was a little awkward, <laughs> right? Like what? I, I mean, and I'm I will not saying say you got to you got to give Phil. I mean, as much as we disagree with him, you got to give him some balls for just doing that. I mean, you you look at it, you're like, whoa! It's like really you. Really, that's you're that's really the avenue that? you're going to choose. That's the path no. you're going to go down. Like yeah. you can't you can't get some PGA executives in a, in a boardroom and talk about it like that. You have to air out one of the yeah. game's greats right in front of the guy in front I mean, of the media. I, I mean, I, I think we're there's definitely a sense of, and I don't want to. You know, I'm not I'm not on the player bashing side, but there's definitely a sense of 
um, let me say this the right way. He thinks that he's maybe more important than he probably really is. And I think he's gotten to the point where he's realizing that this is kind of the end of the line here. So he's, it, it's almost like he wants to stay relevant. He's trying to grasp his grasping at straws here is like, look, this is, I'm this, I'm at the end here. Like, what am I going to do to kind of stay relevant? Because if I ride off into the champions tour, Really, I mean, but you know, look, we like watching the Champions Tour because we like golf, but most people don't watch. Oh it. yeah, no one does. You know, no we, one watches we it. watch it because we're golf golf nuts, and we'll we'll watch our our old you know favorite golfers play. But you know, we're not we're not they're not really that important. You know, uh, and and yeah, I and I'm like not getting he, jazzed up to really see who wins an event out there. It's yeah. just kind of like, and I feel like that's kind of the where he's going, and uh, he's been in the limelight since he was a teenager. Cause he was, I mean, before Tiger, he was the man, like he was it. Like in the, in the early nineties, Phil Mickelson was the next Jack Nicholas, next Arnold Palmer. He was it. And he, I was, I mean, for the most part, he lived up to the hype. Uh, yeah. If Tiger hadn't, if Tiger hadn't come along, he probably would have won double digit majors. Um, you know, yeah. he got he has six seconds at just in the U S open alone, which is incredible. Is it five or six? He's got five or six just in the U S open alone. Which I mean, yeah, it's no a lot. one had more success during the Tiger era than he did. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. He is the second best generate, second best golfer of this generation, and it's not even close. BJ. So I mean, BJ I feel like up there though for a while. BJ. BJ. Was BJ was pretty dominant for a little small stretch. You're right. Yeah. And so yeah. to kind of continue on some of the Saudi news, so that that made like massive headlines, massive waves among the golf world. I think that came out Thursday. And so a bunch of the players were then asked about it in their post-round press conferences throughout the weekend. And pretty much one by one, they all bashed Phil. Um, I, I, I can't have all the quotes here, but um, JT called it. Um, what the hell did he call it? I should have had this in front of me. I apologize, people. But they all they all came out and bashed it. Rory bashed it. Pat Perez, uh, yeah. Billy Marshall calling him ignorant and egotistical and all this kind of stuff. And Pat Price was like, I don't, he doesn't speak for me. I'm not riding with Phil. I'd ride with Tiger. Tiger's my, you know, like, and, and <laughs> one, and one by one, they're all like, I don't know what he's doing. It's a shame. Uh, one of the players was, was quoted off the record anonymously to a reporter. And his response was what a fucking clown. Again, it's not <laughs> me cursing people. I'm just telling you the news. Um, I'm just I'm just reporting the news. Um, I'm not the only golfer with a bad mouth. I guess that's another, some of this. And so, just it's something something. I mean, I know with the NFTs, that's that's one thing, but it still just doesn't seem like enough enough money. And maybe it could be. Maybe it's the potential. Maybe he's looking at it that way. I think he's I looking know. at a potential of what it could be. But still, like I don't know. If the NBA is only doing six hundred million. What, what's the golf going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that. that, that I don't. I, I've I've been trying to think and, and read and see why he's got this vendetta, you know. And, and like I like I said, I, I've got my reasons why I think a, a secondary tour is a good thing, uh, it, at least initially. Is it the Saudi league? Uh, you know, probably not, just because of, of the chaos that that they insinuate and how it's, there's nothing reliable with with this tour. I mean, the fact that they haven't given anyone any information on on the tour hardly. I mean, none of these guys have any details. I mean, you heard Colin talk about it last week. He's like, 
He's like, am I keeping my options open to listen to this? Sure. But no one's really come to me and told me any details. Like, well, I'm not con- gonna just, concrete details. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to just leave the PGA tour, which is super stable, the best tour in the world for some, another tour where they haven't given me any, there's no guarantees. There's not, nothing there. So, uh, you know, that, that's what seems strange that he is, he's kind of latched on, you know, well, the I, other I, crazy thing is not only has Phil latched on to the Saudi tour, he was helping them set it up. So in the, in the ship story, Phil, and he said a couple other top players, he didn't give their names paid for a team of lawyers to help the Saudis craft the language in the agreements and how the tour was going to be set up. So he was essentially partnering with the Saudis to set up a rival golf tour. Wow. So not only does he just want to like play them off each other, he was like actively participating in the organization of this event with Norman and the Saudis, which is just remarkable that you get a member, a legend of one organization. It's like, let's take, he just retired. Tom Brady two years ago was like, Man, I don't like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the XFL going again. And we're gonna we're gonna have a split. I mean, how the NFL used to be split, the AFL and the NFL, right? But he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my own thing. I'm gonna still play for the Buccaneers and I'm gonna win a yeah. Super Bowl. But in the meantime, I'm gonna help you guys craft all this language with my knowledge of this. Yeah. Like that's just like mind-boggling to me. I don't think enough people were actually talking about that. They're just talking about this the scary MFR comment that he made and all that kind of stuff that, like, he, that he continued to play on the pga tour while helping another tour, while helping another uh, tour the craft their language to try to bring the tour down essentially it's just like whoa dude really is it really that bad is it really that bad phil yeah and so yeah. then the biggest shoe to drop with the whole saudi thing was yesterday dj who had always been a strong link to the saudi tour because he's played over there so many times and they just thought that it was going to be Phil, kind of Bryson, DJ were the pillars of this new tour that we're going to get, guys. Then DJ puts out a statement actually through the PGA Tour. It came out, not even through his team or whatever. The PGA Tour communications team put it out that he was committing his loyalty to the PGA Tour. And then a few hours later, what shocked everyone, Bryson did. Now, his, his wording was still a little gray. Still a little gray, a little more out there in Bryson's comment. But then Bryson's saying he's not going to the Saudi. He didn't name the Saudi tour, but so like, okay, well, now who does Phil have? Because the guys that we pretty much think we know off the record on the record here, Adam Scott sounds like he wants to go or is going. He was talking kind of highly of it with the whole flexibility and the schedule and not playing at much events. Lee Westwood has essentially said he's gone. He said he's got signed an NDA. There's a lot of smoke around Poulter. And Stenson, Coke Rack is going. He's been sponsored by Saudi Golf for years now, and he basically said he wants to retire at 44, which I've been pointing out all weekend is really awkward that someone says 44 because it's a very specific age to retire at. But, <laughs> but, um, but there's no. But the thing is, there's no young, young up and coming stars. All these guys are at the tail end of their, yeah, of their prime. And 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 for them, I I I don't blame them. Like Adam Scott, you're. You know, you're 40, what, 42, 41, 42. Yeah. Um, you're at the tail end of your career. Still a gr- an incredible player, but if I can go take, you know, 20, 30, 40 million and go play this tour, even if it lasts one year, that that's that was my point with Bryson. Like, if they really offer you 200 million and you still can, you know, have a chance to play around the world, still play the majors other than the PGA Championship and get 200 million 
Like you can stop playing even if the tour folds in a year. And I don't think anyone would blame him. Be like, hey, man, you know this may not work out, but if they, if, if, yeah, they but what got, if if that hits your bank account and it's in, $200 million is a lot of money. You can just you can play golf and then just do whatever you want after what that. If, what if, but what if the legal aspect, and there's been refuting reports. I've read a couple articles where you know the PGA Tour says they're going to ban someone from coming back if they leave. Now, there are some lawyers out there that say that they have the right to do that. There's some lawyers that say they don't. So I'm sure yeah. it would be a legal battle. Let's just say it holds up in court and they are banned. Does that change your opinion of someone, I mean, someone if, doing it for a year or two? Well, it depends on the money. Like if it's 20 million, it's it's probably not worth it. But if it's 200 million, 200 million, I don't think Bryson DeChambeau will make 200 million in his career on the PJ Tour. And I think if he can get that in one year, I mean, you can't, you couldn't, but would you, you can't also blame then, the guy for taking that. Would and then you also then that. question the players drive to succeed and compete? Like, why do sure. we play sports, right? We try to, to win. Sure. You know, Max Homa I mean, had a great comment. He's like, you know, I've won the most amount of money I've ever had in my life last year at Riviera. Mm-hmm. He goes, when I think back to that week, it's, it was the best week of my life. He goes, not once has my mind gone to the money. It has gone to winning at a historic place, winning at a place that sure. I love. Driving sure. in, driving in this year, and seeing the pictures of of me up on the billboards holding the trophy, getting the trophy from Tiger Woods. He's like, "That's why I play this game is to win." Yeah, the money is awesome and it's great and allows me to do some things. But like Jay, why did you try to fight for so many years? Was it to win money or to? to yeah, no, you're, no, no. You're the, a hell of I a mean, competitor. You wanted to win, succeed, and beat people. Yeah, it's because I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to win. No question. But if so. Someone were to come at me and say, "Here's two hundred million dollars." I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an idiot, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, would it, would I, would I do that? I, probably not, but I would certainly look at it really, really hard. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame a guy who, if he looked at it and, and if he came out and just was honest, says, "Look, guys, this is two hundred million dollars. I can, I can take care of my family and my family's family and their family and their family for four generations if I'm smart with this money." Um, and if, if I had never played on the PGA tour again, that would be really terrible because it's a great place to play. Um, and if I get banned, I get banned, but I, I, this is something that I could, like I said, you could, you can take care of not only your family, but you could, I mean, you could start your own multiple charities, take care of thousands of people with that money and you could do some good stuff with it. So if, if he used it the right way, I couldn't blame him for, for taking that for, for one year to play golf. I mean, like I said, my, my thought was there's no guarantees with that that tour and the money that they have. So if they were to give you that upfront, now, if they tried to stretch it out and say, Hey, we'll give you, you know, 50 this year, 50 next year. And you know, then it's, then it's a little different. And you're like, well, now you're, now I'm relying on this tour to be around for five years, which may or may not happen. hell, it may not even get off the ground. But if it was, if it were a $200 or $200 million signing bonus to start, like, man, you, it, I wouldn't blame him for doing it um, at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, there, there's, there's that talk of, you know, the ban and, and, you know, there would definitely be some lawyers involved to say what, you know, if, and when they could ban them and what they could ban them for. Uh, um, so, but I, it sounds like at this point, it may not be an issue. Maybe. Well, yeah, everyone's, everyone's now talking about it. Like, you know, yesterday was the death of the, the Saudi golf league, you know, basically thanks to Phil Mickelson and his comments, people don't want to be involved with him anymore. Not, not even to mention the Saudis, but um you know, and Phil called it. He goes, "Oh yeah, this is sports washing." You know, he admitted what what the Saudis are basically trying to do. 
Yeah. And so everyone's acting like it's not happening, which to me is great. You know, I hate this thing. There was a part of me that kind of wanted it to happen. And then they all just then watch flat, it fail, watch it fail and fall flat on their face and just laugh, sit back and laugh, especially because of the guys involved, Bryson, Phil, Greg Norman, like, oh, it would be so enjoyable for them to go get yeah. out of my face and then fail. It'd be even better. But it sounds like it's not happening. I'll, I'll be curious to see, you know, um, yeah, I'll just curious to see what happens with it. And so here, Jay, going back to Jay and I were involved in a, in a lengthy text debate with our good friend, Mike Ferguson from down at Bayville in Virginia beach. Fergie, I know you're listening. Jay, Jay still loves you. I think. Yeah, of course. I'm just kidding. Um, And so I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, how you take this, you, you think the other leagues are potentially good to get the change on the PGA tour. And one of your big sticking points is trying to get the biggest names in the game playing against each other more often, kind of like we had this week with the top 11 in the world rankings all in the same spot. And because like you go to them, you go to this week and it's not a very deep field. There's not a lot of the big guys yeah. playing. Yeah. Agreed. So that's that, kind of where your that's, thinking is. That's just one change. That's just one thought. You know, I, I kind of go back to, you know, you, you know, not to, you know, beat a dead horse here. We talked about it last week, but um, you know, I, you mentioned the AFL and the NFL. There were two separate tours. There were two competing tours and they both came together and they figured out how to make it work based on what they both did well. Same thing with the NBA, NBA, ABA. They both had two different, two different leagues um, that came together and, and, and found a way to compete. And they, they took a little bit of what they did well in the NBA and they matched it with the NBA. And that's, that's where we are now. And I think we haven't really had that in, in golf, the European tour, unfortunately, is not a com- competitor to the PGA Tour. It's it hasn't been for fifty years. So I am, do I think it's the Saudi Tour? Of course, probably not. But should there be another tour to some way, in some way, shape, or form, challenge the PGA Tour in the way they do things? Uh, whether it's the per the payouts, whether it's the, whether it's NFTs, whether it, whatever it is, um, you know, I think it. I think that is good to provoke change. It may not happen this year or next year, but I think if it's two, three, four years down the line, and now we really get this, this high end tour, where we get, you know, 10, 11, 12 events where we get a full field event. We get the best players playing, playing every week. One, because they want to, two, because they have to, because the requirements of both of these tours, if they're working in congruence with each other, I think that could be a great thing. Um, Now we're seeing right now, we rarely see the best fields in golf play under one roof. All four majors. I mean, we don't really see the best field in golf in the majors. We we watch them because of the prestige, but we don't watch them because they're the best field in golf. Uh, we watch the Players Championship because it's the best field in golf. Um, we watch Riviera. We're starting to watch Riviera. I mean, what, what, in the past, most people didn't play this golf course, but because once Tiger put his name on it, now these guys, we had the top 10 players in the world play. Not only that, but we had – all the way down the line, you had, I mean, rare, it was rare that uh, any of the guys that are in the top, the top 140, I guess, was it 35, 140 guys? There's only a few guys that missed that were, that were ranked in the, in the, in that, in the top 135, 140. They played in it. That's what makes it fun. Um, in my opinion, you want to see, like you said, Mike, you want to see the best players in the world compete under one, under one roof. And I, I think uh, some, some challenger will be good. And we've talked about this premier golf league 
And it's kind of, I think they're kind of laying, they're hanging on the radar, letting the Saudi league kind of create some noise and, and, and kind of make all the mistakes. So I, and then, yeah, I think come, maybe come in and it, the concept is really cool. Uh, I think, and it's different. Yeah, it, it is. It is cool, but that doesn't, you know, your point, like you said, in your text, you want full field events with a, with a PGL is cool. We're going to, you're going to get all, the, if you were all to get all top players on the tour, the top 48 in their model, you're only having a 48 player field. So it still is a limited field event, which sometimes can be a snooze fest. If mm-hmm. a guy can runs away, there's more chance of running away and it's, yeah. it's boring. Right. Uh, my concern with your, your thought is, so we were talking about the AFL NFL merging to one mm-hmm. ABA NBA merging to one. You're talking about one merging to two, and then maybe hoping at some point to merge back to one. Yeah. Which is something we've never seen before, and that would be, yeah, we haven't seen it. But again, I, I, I always, it, it, I always, it's, I'm always leery of one per, one thing or one organization running the show for such a long time, and there's been no challenger. You know, when you have challenge, you have competition that 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 brings you to the next level. You start to get creative and think, what am I doing? They're, they're challenging us. What are they doing? Well, what can we do to be better? And when you don't, when you're not challenged, you rest on your laurels and you're just like, Hey, there's no one challenging me. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep, um, I'm going to keep showcasing 20 mediocre PGA tour events uh, every, every year where nobody tunes in and none of the guys play in it because I, we make money like, Oh, we're making money. Let's just keep doing it. But I mean, I'll be honest with you. How many times so we watch those off those off week events. I don't watch them. I watch them because we we talk about it on the podcast. But I don't really. I don't really no, so watch I, them. I I agree. You know? I, I 100% agree with you there. And the one of my issues, and I I think I've said it on this podcast before, and I said it in our text. My concern with all this, and I'm only going off of the facts that I know, the comments that I've heard. It only seems like the players that are pissed are pissed about money, other than Charlie Hoffman, and that was just a dumb rules fucking thing like it, it just seems about money so then it's going to be the pj tour is not going to say what can we do to make it better for the fans and make a better product they're just going to be like okay what can we do money wise to keep our guys and to me it's again as a fan i want a better product and again getting rid of the bermuda championship and some of these just shit bag events that we have where you know a, a good third of them really aren't that good yeah. And so well, I don't want those. I want to get rid of them, but I don't think they're going to talk about that. And that's also comes down to money, right? If they have less events in the PGA tour, there's now less weekends they're selling to the, to CBS and NBC to broadcast. So now their media rights deal shrinks. Right. So I, I think it's a really possibly. complicated, a really complicated issue. And I have no idea how to fix it. What it, works to shrink the schedule. So more of the top guys are playing to week to each, with each other. And also make it make make the money where that they are still playing for awesome purses and all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. I mean, no question. It all comes down to money. You're 100 right. So think about it this way. I mean, look at the look at the NFL. Like, how many games does the NFL have? Seventeen. Now they have now they have seventeen. Eighteen weeks, 17, 70 games. You watch every single one of those games. What if the NFL went to an eighty-two game season like the NBA? How many of those games would you watch? Oh, not a lot. Not a lot. And I think the PJ Tour is somewhere in the middle. We have 40 weeks out of the year where they're playing a PJ Tour event, and a lot of them are insignificant. So if we can find a way, I'm not saying eliminate those events, but if we were to elevate another tour to where, like I said, the best players are playing and it's it's more important, it's 
I'm not saying so much money, but yes, that's probably the way it will go. But in the end of the day, if the money attracts the players, then that's good for the viewer. Now we've got 20 events. In okay, the- I see where you're going there. I, I can buy you on that. the course of the year, we're like, I've got to watch this event because this is big. i got four majors. I've got 15 other events, and there's some t- type of prize at the end, and now it's a big deal. Whereas, you know, every week, you know, we've got the 3M Championship. And nothing against these events. Obviously, yeah, you're these, just picking, these cities. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just throwing names out. But if now if we if we if we get all the guys playing together 20 times of the year rather than trying to have them scattered up in 40 events of the year, um, I think it would make make the tour or whatever that tour is called. If it's the PGA Tour, the elite PGA Tour, whatever they call it, more more of a valuable watch for the fan. I would much rather tune in, you know, every other week and watch the best players really compete for, you know, some type of, you know, valuable, not the monetary stuff doesn't do it for me, but just the fact that they're all competing. Um, I, I would tune into that. Well, and then the other thing, so the part of them that came from the meeting that they had with, with the players last week was they're talking about changing up the fall series. And I think some of the complaints that the tour gets from the bigger guys is the fall series. They want to, it's their time to take some time off, right? They've played all the playoffs. The top guys are playing the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup every year, and they want to take some time off. The reason they feel like they can't take that much time off is because there's this fall of the wraparound seasons going on. All these guys are getting world ranking points, FedEx Cup points, and they're falling behind. So they feel like they have to go play and they don't get a true offseason, which I, I completely get and almost kind of agree with their their issues there. And those are some of the worst events that we're kind of talking about is that fall series, which there's no real history. They're playing in Bermuda, which we just bash just because that has become our <laughs> that become has become our straw man argument in this thing is the Bermuda Championship. And so they're talking about changing it up, not making it FedEx Cup points in those events, making some sort of team format. And I'm like, well, okay, so we're still going to have golf, but now it's even going to be less important golf, more yeah. silly season golf. Is that really good? Or not. So you appease the top guys by saying, okay, hey guys, don't worry. You're not going to fall behind in, in FedEx Cup points or world ranking points, you know, with these events. But then I'm really not going to tune in if it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I don't I don't know. Like that's again, I mean, maybe that's that's the thing where you know we talked about the you know the, the Premier Golf League or whatever other golf league is. Maybe they do theirs in the off season, you know, maybe they do it in you know, in South America, they do it in, in, in Africa, you know, where the, the weather is better uh, or Australia. Australia. They yeah, they do it where, you know, in, from the, on the fall months, they can have this this league where the guys could possibly play both if they wanted. And, you know, they shorten the PGA Tour season. Uh, and that makes I think it would make each event more important and more fun to watch. I mean, just like everything, you know, too much of a good thing is is not uh, is not good. You need a break, you know. You, you look at these the kids that play travel baseball, you know, all year round, you know, they get burnt out by the time they, they make it to the, you know, the time they're 16, 17 years old, when they really are in their peak. Same thing with golf, the kids that play these year round golf season, you know, it's like travel, travel tournaments from, you know, January one, all the way till Christmas. I'm like, you need a break, you know, you need to be a kid and no, not, not even kids, but adults, like you can't practice that much and, put that much time into something at that. It's such a high stress job. You, it, you, it, you get, you get worn out so quick. So 
And I think you get you get immune to how how incredibly talented these guys are when you just you turn it on. Like as PJ Tour up, they're playing and wherever. But when you play every other week or you play from January to September, now you're like, man, I need to get my golf in because in the fall that's not going to be on. Um, I don't. I think I think it makes it more important. But that's just again, that's just yeah. I think I think the PGL is the best. option i've heard if they can get all the top 48 i want the exact top 48 in the world playing on it i want all 48 on that tour and then i'm in because i, I kind of like the whole now granted it is only 48 guys yeah so the small field i'm not crazy about but i could live with that especially because there's the whole kind of premier football soccer I, I right like- where there's where there's like relegation the and, and and there's a team thing, but then there's also guys that are falling off and they have to keep their status on that. And that's the guys cool. on the PJ tour can work their way up to this premier thing that's above it. I I am in for that. It's not a hundred percent. I'm not sold on every fact. I think it's fantastic, but that's intriguing to me. So yeah, it's different. It's different. And with the with the Saudi League, it was just like, okay, we're gonna play a golf tournament. We're just gonna give you here's a bunch, bunch of money. money. Yeah, and it, it's yeah, it's unappealing, but so. McLean, yeah. we have uh, we have hogged this conversation. You also had a crying baby in your lap, and the microphone was <laughs> muted. So, to our listeners, McLean is still here. He didn't fall asleep during Jay and I's talk, like you may have the <laughs> listeners. Um, but what what's your take on on all this that we've we've gone over now that Stone has uh, returned to the boob? Maybe I'm not sure where he you is, know, but definitely on the boob for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's almost unlike anything we've really seen in the modern era in sports. And the reason I say that is we've had a lot of alternative leagues, you know, when you look at the XFL, the CFL, you know, all these alternative football leagues that are, they had there. another one last year too, right? They started American. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, whatever. Right. Exactly. There's one that's, there's another, uh, another football league that's starting in the spring, I think. Well, the XFL just XFL is coming back. With yeah. The NFL. Yeah. Um, and if, my guess is it's going to be some sort of minor league version of yeah, the that's, NFL, that's which is I've probably heard, yeah. something that's needed. But with that being said, hit the Here we go. Bell. <laughs> yes. Um, this is the first time we've seen someone try to challenge to be the premier league. And then I don't mean that in the, to, to assimilate them with the premier yeah. golf league. Um, but in order to challenge to be that top tiered, league everything else has always tried to come in and kind of be a a stepchild or little brother and try to provide more opportunities for guys out there and ultimately generate revenue in the process but it wasn't necessarily geared towards we're going to take over and be the top the top uh you know show out there this is these guys obviously are doing that with the absorbent amount of money that they have they feel like they have a draw because quite frankly in the other leagues when we've seen a challenger the money hasn't been there because they weren't you know they don't have the infrastructure or the revenue streams to be able to offer top tier money to the amount of players that they would need with golfers you only got to get a couple guys so you can pay them an absurd amount of money because you don't need to put nine guys on the field you don't need to put 11 guys on whatever it is you can all of a sudden now field a team of one guy yeah and you you can you can steer some names. You can crawl. You can call some stir. I mean, I think going back to what Jason Kokrak said. I mean, he's he's incredibly honest about it, and I respect that. Um, you know, while all of us love the thoughts of tour life and being on the PGA tour, um, if you do it for twenty five years, 
it, it, it becomes a job. And there's a certain point where you you're pretty much happy to clock out and call it a day, not to say that you lose the enjoyment for the sport necessarily, but there's certainly something refreshing to a bit of honesty like that. Like, Hey man, this is a great cash grab and I'd be stupid yeah. not to have the opportunity to take it in a sport where we, as we beat that horse last week, where there's very little guarantees of yeah. your, your longevity of being able to play um, the ability. I mean, think about like, for example, what happened to Tim Clark after they changed the rule on him? I haven't seen him. Yeah, you never know. You just never know. I mean, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee contracts. Exactly, and that but. and that was the worst part about it. Tim Clark had a rule changed on him. He had a rule changed on him. Now he didn't do anything wrong. No injury, nothing. You know, he was playing with injury already, but had nothing wrong. Everything they changed that rule on him. His career was over. You know, if if he had the opportunity to go and make a cash grab for it. I think he'd have taken that. And I think no one would blame him for what I do think you will find is a lot of guys that, as Mike alluded to earlier, guys that were former top guys, yeah, guys that can still win, but they're not printing money left and right. You know, Henrik Stenson comes to mind and I have no idea where Henrik stance is on this, but you know, a guy who's maybe a little bit past his, he's he's been linked to it. They wouldn't surprise me, but a guy like that is maybe past his prime money-making years. You know, his opportunities to to make some big cash are kind of in the rear view for certain guys. They're getting a, a little bit up in age as well. You know, <laughs> that's like Rory said. He was basically calling it like a pre-champions tour of league. Yeah, he's like, he goes, that's what it's that's like what turning get, into. Yeah. It's like a feeder system for the champions tour. Like, is that other, what they want? Other than well, other it, than it, Bryson, he was really the only big name that was a younger guy that was was kind yeah, of Bryson and DJ. Yeah, that that was it. I mean, everyone else is it, a lot of. It was actually a lot of Euro, Euro guys who were kind of past their prime, and they were willing to take the chance because it was like, look, I don't, I've got no real allegiance to the PJ Tour. They grew up following and playing the European Tour before they came and played over here. So, like, sure, that's a good point. Yeah, you want to give me twenty million, thirty million to go play one year on the Saudi League, and if it doesn't work out, I'll go, I'll go back and play the European Tour and just ride off into the sunset. You know, it's it's worth the gamble for those guys. But, well, but something yeah. that many people don't realize the reason these guys are playing on the PGA tour is one for the competition, but one a, the money, the money's way better. If, if, if you talk to a bunch of the guys, I'll tell you like, yeah, you know, the European tour is fantastic. Great competition, great courses, half the money, but the money. So all of a sudden, if you can take, and you can make that money more local to them, because I, I, I've been very fortunate. I got to travel over there a good bit. You know, traveling over there and traveling over here are two different things. You can you're in different countries very quickly, um, and all of a sudden you're in your home countries where you're used to traveling. You can travel to a lot of the places that you've been traveling a lot for uh, you know, your entire life or professional career, but now you can make the big money and stay home doing it. I think that's why it's going to be much more attractive for a lot of these international guys, um, just because all of a sudden they might get a couple more home games a year. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is just a fascinating topic. And I know the listeners are probably like, God, you guys are talking about this again. But new, we, we can get new information. Every we we day. can get new information every week. And, and again, mm-hmm. like McLean said, we've never seen anything like this in any other sport either, where someone's coming in to challenge. No one's ever going to come in to challenge the NFL or challenge Major League Baseball or ch- like it's just not going to happen. And so, like, one, I don't, I don't want to see it happen if it can be a vehicle for some positive change hopefully for the fans and the, the 
the viewing experiment experience and the entertainment of golf would be awesome. And it's just, it's just fascinating. So unless we're going to make a, I'm, I'm already broken like three promises on this one episode. So, um, unless any major news comes out of the Saudi league in the next week, we will not talk about the Saudi league on next week's event. I would, uh, that's fine with me. That's totally fine. But I would, I would, I wish we could get some more inside scoop on this premier league. Like I think it, it's a cool thing. Like the, the whole team setup and the, like you said, the relegation, um, that that's that whole thing is fun. Like I think yeah. it could be a, a real complimentary tour. And if they could somehow work with the PJ tour and the European tour, maybe, maybe they bite off of some of the, some of the European tour events to pull in and to, to work with the PJ tour and some of the, these off weeks, I say off weeks, there's still PJ tour events, but maybe not some of the higher profile events, but I think it'd be, could be cool. I mean, something different, like I said, something different to watch. Like, if you, I mean, maybe they only start with 10 events in the beginning and they do it on, on some of the off weeks where there's not a big event on the PJ tour and they can get some of these guys to commit. Um, and as long as the PJ tour gives the blessing, you know, that Rory DJ, you know, these guys are going back. Well, so then here's DJ the other, much, but, here's but Rory other. and some of the guys that are the famous guys from, from Europe, will go back over and play in it. Cause it's a cool concept. They're, you know, they're huge football fans. When I say football, you know, soccer fans. Yeah. So and it's got the same kind of concept to it. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you an interview that Andy Gardner, the CEO, executive director. I'm not really commissioner. I'm not sure what his title is. Um, it's like a two and a half hour podcast that he did with a yeah an, another entity other than the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast, which is really people the only one you need to be involved with. Are there but any other? Are there odd he would do that. Podcasts? Really, uh, there are a couple other ones. So I'll I'll Jay, I'll send it to you if you can put on the office it's pretty interesting he goes pretty in depth on the yeah. whole breakdown of it all and again they they haven't said like boo other than that interview it's it's just kind of weird how they're going about it but i think it's because they're maybe they were hoping hold on they could come out as geniuses maybe they were like all right these saudis are going to make a shit show of this thing yeah i think but the pga the tour will recognize that they have to make some sort of change and then they're going to come to us Exactly. I, 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 that's what I was thinking earlier. You know, I tried to make that comment earlier tonight. I think, I think they're just holding tight, letting this, this whole Saudi thing kind of blow up. And then, then they can come in on the back and like, Hey, it's obvious that these players want something different. Let's work together and make this happen. So we're, we both come out ahead. They can be I, the good guys. Let the, if, let the Saudis be the bad guys. They can be the good guys. It wouldn't surprise me if that happened in the next year where they, they made some type of announcement where the people, DJ tours working with another another tour. All right, well, right I also think we need to see an actual date of an event. Yeah. And I will also go on the record that I think that this is a three year max. Yeah. We'll see. All we're, right. So the Saudi Golf League, they're not going to be in an we're not going to be talking about this in five years. Oh no, I sure fucking hope not. <laughs> that's very that's a fair statement. <laughs> It's not going to happen. They can't make, they can't generate enough revenue to pay these guys what they're talking about. Especially if they go to electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, we're going to not have time for it tonight, but we're going to push it to next week. So again, if you haven't read the Morgan Hoffman article, listeners, another promise we broke. Jeez. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about that next week because it does deserve its time. That will get on the agenda. We won't talk Saudi golf next week. We will talk Morgan Hoffman and his story. It's fantastic. 
Now we will get to the Honda. So we do have a, I, I wish this event was bigger and it used to be bigger. This is one of the casualties of when the whole schedule changed, when the PGA championship moved months from August to May and the whole Florida swing got all changed. The Honda used to have a pretty good field, especially because all the guys live right there and none of them play in this event anymore. It is a good, tough golf course, a lot better than some of the ones they've played already this year where 30 under wins. And so I wish it had a much, much better field. It's at West Palm Beach. It's a, it's a great spot. I had a chance to go there a couple of years ago at the Bear Trap. And yeah, it's just I wish it was had a, had a better field because it could be a primo event on the PGA Tour every year. But who is, I don't even know who the defending champion is. I should know that. I just read it. Oh, Matt Jones. Matt Jones is defending oh, that's champ. Right. Matt Jones, speed demon. Came out of nowhere to win a massive long shot last year. But uh, no, again, just not a very deep field. You know, looking at this list, it's like, man, what? You know, when Sung J M is your overall number one player in the Louis U season, that's that's not good. That's not great. So I, I had a really hard time picking this event. I feel like almost everyone on my team is a wild card. Yeah. So I'll go first. Give it to us. Jay ran away with it last week for our, our listeners. Wasn't even close. Um, hold on. Hold on. Before we get into that, <laughs> I've got a mass hole minute. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Love it. You can't. Mass you're not, wait, hold on. Mass hole minute from the, for the North Carolinian. You're not allowed to say mass hole, though. Only us can. Yeah, you're right. I'm not that big of an asshole. Um, <laughs> so let's just run on this real quick. DraftKings needs to get their shit together. The fact that Matthew oh, yeah. Fitzpatrick can <laughs> withdraw with no notification if he's in the field. And this is all I'm saying. This is all I'm fucking saying. If he's in the fucking tournament, just send out a notification. If he's in your lineup and they, they have the ability to do that, just send out a, a, a player in your lineup is suddenly listed as out. Throw us a freaking bone here, man. We're, you guys are printing money. Printing yeah. money. Absolutely you know printing money. You know what's funny though? They send a notification when a new player is added to the list, but they don't sure. tell you. They don't tell you when a player. Well, it's also only no, via withdrawal. email too. Like it needs to be like a notification to your phone. Like, yeah. hey, you have a a player starting in your lineup that is no longer in it, and give yeah. the person the ability to change it out. Yeah, it That's may not I'm be asking. a great pick. Like if it's if the guy withdraws like Thursday morning, at least pick someone from his wave that hasn't teed off yet. That. Yeah. You know, I yeah. agree with you, McLean, one hundred percent. Yeah, just get, give me something. Give me some opportunity. Like I, I understand there is some level of you know responsibility on my part to check it and make sure. But it's like, all right, if you send me the notification and I don't get to it in time, that's on you. That's, that's on, me. on me. Yeah, got to deal with that. But the fact is that you pick your team and you log in there, you're like, what the, what the, yeah, that's bullshit. What was funny? I didn't. I didn't realize what I the, couldn't, fig- what the, I couldn't figure it out. I was looking at my at, at our league last week, and, I, and you know it shows like holes remaining, and it was like early on Thursday, and I'm like, why is McLean's number so seventy two lower than so everyone much else? Lower. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And I go to your and I look at your team, and it didn't have WD or anything next to Fitzpatrick. It still had his tee time up there, like he just hadn't teed off yet. And I'm like, what? 
what's going on here? This is really weird. And then I happened to go on like Twitter and it said, oh, yeah, Matthew Patrick is WD. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's going to piss off McLean. <laughs> well, and here's the even better part. I couldn't go in and pick someone that hadn't teed off yet. It was locked Yeah, they in. lock it in. Yeah. As soon as the first guy tees off in the event, they lock it in. You're, you're done. So, you know, that that's strike two. <laughs> if one more of these, we're moving to FanDuel. The entire podcast <laughs> moved to FanDuel. They're gonna uh, DraftKings is gonna hate that. They've been just knocking down our door for sponsorships. So um, you talk about a loss of revenue. Mm. Oh, Somebody's God. losing their job. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Can't imagine what their staff lunch would be like when they lose us. I mean, no more free coffee in the in, in the office. So uh, we are gonna open this week's um, up to the listeners. We have twenty spots available. Because we were late with the show last week, I didn't open it up to everyone since the podcast wasn't going out until Wednesday afternoon, right before it. So uh, this will go out Tuesday, hopefully Tuesday morning. Another promise I'll break. So who wants to go first? I said I was going first before McLean went on his. We need a his Southern hospitality rant, whatever we want to call that. We got to figure that out. Yeah, we, we'll come up with a clever we'll name. Come up, yeah, we'll come up with a clever Carolina name. Carolina cock. Yeah. <laughs> That's South Carolina. Carolina. That's South Carolina. So I married a cock. <laughs> you, you you really need to put an asterisk on that. Well, so, <laughs> I did. So my wife went to the University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks, and that was what my best man said at my wedding. He was like, "I always knew you would marry a cock." <laughs> gave, I'm like, terrible. "You son of a bitch!" My, my grandmother's sitting right there. <laughs> she probably laughed though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. I'm going to start down at the bottom with a Clemson Tiger. Plays well here. Ball strikers golf course. We're going to see how many times we have ball strikers set on these picks here. But Lucas Glover, $7,400. He's been playing pretty well over the last year. And again, plays well here. So I'm going to go Lucas Glover, $7,400. Then I'm going to jump up to Chris Kirk. Another guy who hits it well. Played uh, Had a top 15 at Waste Management recently. Played well here in the past. Uh, 7,500 Chris Kirk. Then I go up to Johnny Vegas. Just I just want to say his name. It's really the reason why. But again, drives the golf ball really well and has played well here in the past. Then this guy has been on fire recently. Hasn't won. Rookie. You saw him a bunch this weekend. Cam Young. His Last three events, 2nd, 26th, 20th, and on a couple of hard golf courses um, with Farmers and Riviera. So I like Cam Young to play well again this week, riding high, maybe a little pressure with having a nice big payday, nice big check, secure some status for a while and get some good FedEx Cup points. So we'll go Cam Young, 8,600. Then I go up to Brian Harmon, just the little man. Just, I just feel like he has a, is a grinder mentality on a hard golf course. I like that. I want a grinder, someone who's not going to be, um, you know, I don't know what, what I'm trying to say here. I'm not going to get thrown off, <laughs> but um, that was a great, that was a great analysis there. And then, <laughs> then I'm going to go up to Keith Mitchell, 9,100. Past winner. Uh, past winner. I think it was two, three years ago, 2019 maybe. Ian has been playing well, 10th at, at Phoenix, 12th at 
Pebble Beach, seventh at Sony. So um, I like Keith Mitchell to play well again here. So there it is. Nice. All right, I got Blaine, this. me or you, buddy? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I just made one of the most difficult decisions of all time. You're benching Ryan Palmer. I have benched Ryan Palmer. He's playing like dog shit, so I wouldn't blame you. I had to. Finally, I just... You'll be back, RP. If you're listening, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you say they didn't see that? Okay. No, they didn't um, see what you did there. No, that's okay. All yeah. right, we're we're starting up the, at the podcast top. audio. Ball, ball, thanks, ball striker, <laughs> Billy Horschel, ninety six hundred. Um, there will be a theme here. Let's try to stick with us. Uh, moving down, Mackenzie Hughes, ball striker. <laughs> 8,300. Um, I apologize. I, I did skip over one guy. We have them both in our lineups, been on an absolute heater. Also be known as a ball striker. Keith Mitchell, Sea Island contingent, um, coming out hot. Uh, again, fitting the theme, Mr. Chucky Three Sticks. Uh, I don't have to hashtag ball striker him. Um, and then we move down to Taylor Moore, guy who's been playing well as of late, had, uh, 21st finish at the Genesis, 16th at the AT&T. Uh, missed three cuts this year, but ultimately a guy who's been playing well as of late, hoping hoping to see some trending in the right direction. Um, I think it's another course that's going to fit a similar type of player. And then the guy that just plays all the time, I got K.H. Lee in there at 7,700. So rounding it out, I didn't go with one of the absolute top guys this week, but I feel like I got a lot of good, uh, a lot of good guys that are going to fit this type of uh, course. Yeah, I feel like the top guys, I didn't go with any. I just feel like they're overvalued just because of the the weak field that, you know, they have to put some guys up there at, you know, 10, 11,000. So, Jay, who you got? <sighs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie. This is, I'm not loving any of these. <laughs> it's that uh, kind of so week. It's, it's that kind of week. I got a bunch of mid-tier guys here. Um, <clears throat> I'll start from the bottom. Work my way up. Uh, Mr. Holen one at the, at the, uh, uh waste management, Sam Ryder. Uh, I, I, you know, again, he, he can face the club to the ball. I'm going to start using different words for another way to say ball striker. <laughs> um, he knows how to, he knows how to face the club to the ball and he's got control. I mean, he's, he's a, he is a great ball striker. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and you, you need to be able to control your ball here at at um, at, uh, at the Honda. It's it's just a hard golf course. You got to drive and play. You got to hit hit. You got to hit the ball in the green. Um, so I've got him in his seven two hundred. Uh, then I bump up to a lot of mid tier guys here, um, which I you know like you said, Mikey, the the top guys I I think are I, I don't want to say overvalued, um, but that's what I'm going with. Um, so next up, I got Brian Harmon. Um, he finished 14th last week. He's had some success here. Nothing great at the Honda, but again, um, I think he's made more cuts than he's missed, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, jump up to Mackenzie Hughes, uh, missed the cut last week, but finished 16th and, uh, and then finished second at the RSM and then has had, uh, had a top, uh, finished second here, uh, two years ago. So. I'm going to give him a shot. <laughs> see how he does. Uh, Aaron, Wa- 
Yeah, super confident in all these guys. I mean, Aaron Wise um, hasn't he missed uh, he missed two of the last three cuts and the last week finished sixty seventh, but he has finished um, well here in, in the past. Which to see a guy honestly, when you look down through the list of their past finishes at these events, like the Honda is one of those events that like it's it's not like okay horses for court or courses for horses. Like if you're not playing good, you're gonna miss the cut. Like, I don't, it, it's not like, Hey, I know this course. Well, I'm going to work my way around it. No, you need it. The fairways, some, a lot of the fairways are super narrow. There's a lot of water. Some of the greens are really tough. It gets windy. Like, you know, obviously the bear trap, you know, you got these two par threes that like, if you're not hitting the ball, well, like you can't fake it. Like you're going to, you're going to miss the cut. So the fact that like Aaron Wise has made three of the last or made all three of the last cuts and finished the top. 35 and all of them usually means that he's probably going to miss the cut this week, but, <laughs> but I picked him. The odds finally so, say it's going to catch up to him. He's going to yeah, miss the cut. I picked him. Um, and then I've got, uh, I've got Vegas in there as well. Um, he's been playing decent. And again, another guy um, in the last eight, nine years, he's only missed one cut, um, which is pretty incredible. So uh, he, he must have something weird about this course that he really likes. Uh, he knows how to play it. Um, so I'm going to give him a shot. And then uh, I've got Mito, uh, Mr. Mito Pereira. Oh, I almost picked him. Yeah, I'm going to um, see how he does. I, he played well last week, finished 15th. Um, I don't think he has any course history here. I think this is the first time he's played this course. Oh, well, yeah, he's a rookie on tour, right? So Yeah, so I'm surprised you didn't pick him, McLean. This is your guy. But, um, yeah, there you go. I had Ricky Fowler in there, but I took him out. That's probably um, smart. Yeah, he's not been playing great, but man, he really does play well here at this course. Usually, I wanted Mito. I just couldn't fit him in with the other guys that I had in line. Yeah, yeah, but there you go. A lot of a lot of mid tier mediocre. I shouldn't say mediocre. I mean, it's all relatively speaking here, but yeah, it, it's just due to the due to the field. I mean, yeah, again, when you go like from an event that, with the top ten to this, yeah, yeah the guys they're coming off a big event. They take a week off. And they let everything settle before they dive in. And I'll be honest with you, the the course is hard. Like it, it just it beats you up. I mean, I've played it a bunch. I mean, Q school there, and it's hard, hard golf course. I mean, it's like, do I want to do I want to go do that? Like these guys want to go to a place that they know it's predictable. Like, hey, I know I'm going to play this kind of golf here. I could probably make the cut, finish thirtieth, make my twenty whatever grand. If I play great, I'll finish in the top ten. If I play terrible, I play terrible. But you know, they don't want to go to a course where like, man, I actually hit the ball pretty good. I shot two over and I missed the cut. Like they don't want to yeah. play in a course. Like that. Especially when it gets so, windy I, there too. Yeah. It gets windy. It's just, it's just hard. It just beats you up. All right. Well, so I'm going to watch. I'm going to. It is entertaining course. It is. It is entertaining because it's hard. You see guys hit balls in the water all the time. And I mean, I was just, that's kind of the thing. It's, it's kind of bad to say, but you, you could see a, a big number and a, and a collapse or like, sure. you know, everyone's in it until that guy finishes on 18 because there is yeah. a lot of water. Like you can get a train wreck coming down the stretch there. Those last, those last four holes, I should say five holes, no four holes. Yeah. 15, 16, 17. No, it's, 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 it's five holes. Yeah. 14, even 14 is a hard hole. I mean, it's like 480 with the, the fairways, like 20, not even 20 yards wide. And the green is crazy with water to the right, you know, 14, 15, um, 16, 17, 18. They're, they're, they're good holes. They're fun. Yeah. Fun to watch. So, so we, uh, we will be watching and 
praying that no big Saudi news comes this week so we can uh, keep it off the agenda. Well, there's a chance I'm headed out there next week. So Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Saudi Arabia for sure. Not like, you know, 20 minutes down the street to the Honda. (laughs) Is that there? I'll just, yeah. Yeah. Get out. All right, well, we'll have we'll have boots on the ground there as well for uh, right two weeks in a row. First hand report out of the last three. Watch out! Yeah, so, you never know. You. I got kids. Thank <laughs> you to all our listeners. We appreciate it. Remember to like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff, and we will be back next week. Cheers! Awesome. Thanks Later, boys. You.